Welcome to Back from the Abyss. This is Dr. Craig Heacock, and Chris Johnson is with us today. And although this is called Chris and Craig in the fishbowl, we're actually in Chris's garage with the door open. We're socially distancing, and we can hear birds chirping in here that are echoing in the neighborhood, an occasional lawnmower, people walking by. So um, this is called Chris and Craig in the fishbowl. And this is our end-of-season uh, retrospective. And I called it Fishbowl because when I did my residency at Brown, we did this really cool thing called Fishbowl Supervision. So when we were learning group therapy, we would be doing a 90-minute group therapy session with the attending and two residents. And halfway through the group, we would do Fishbowl, where the two residents and the attending would come into the middle of the group and talk about the members and the process and sort of deconstruct what was happening in the group, and they could all hear us talking about them. Very interesting process. So today, Chris and I are in the fishbowl, a.k.a. Chris's garage in Fort Collins, Colorado, with birds echoing in here. And uh, we're going to let you all peer in at the fishbowl at the story-making and secrets of Back from the Abyss. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. It's kind of weird to be on this side of the mic. Yeah, no, this is really fun. Yeah. So it was just... It was a year ago that we really started putting this together. Yeah. You had the idea for a podcast that came up while we were having dinner with some other friends. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I love this. We met a little planning session and you said, let's come up with a plan. Let's agree to one year with a, with a targeted number of episodes and let's just see how that goes, if we can get along and, yeah. and see, <laughs> see if, we, if we're still friends at the end of the year yeah. or not. And we're actually closer friends. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought this might, might be fun for each of us to ask some questions and just look back and kind of celebrate this year and deconstruct what happened and um, maybe learn from some of our many, many mistakes so I came up with some questions for you, and I think you might have come up with some questions for me. I do have a few questions for you. Okay. I'm going to start with, with you, Chris. Okay. Um, I get a lot of people... Oh, here comes a truck driving by. Hello, truck. That's a cool old blue truck. Yeah. Um, a lot of people ask about the music. I think one of the things that differentiates Back from the Abyss, it's not just that it's a storytelling podcast, but there's some really groovy music. Because I actually am not around for this. As you know, I, I do my, my thing with the content. You do your thing magically with the, with the music. And then poof, it kind of appears on our server. So I'm actually interested too. But how do you plan and design the music for each episode? And, and how long does that take? Well, things have changed over the year. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to is This American Life. And for those folks that listen to that podcast, they, they know the style. This is not... <laughs> an original thing on my part by any means, but that's what I was modeling what we were doing after, I think. And at the beginning, you know, we, I don't know if the listeners know this, but we do this show on a shoestring budget, right? <laughs> it's self-funded. Is, is there a budget? There is. Oh yeah, that's my checkbook. Yes. Yeah. 
And so with that in mind and also, you know, just trying to keep things sort of less complicated, uh, especially at the beginning, I just did some research and found, looked for some free but also copyright-free types of audio to use in the podcast. And there are some places out there. Um, early on, listeners probably, if you go back, you'll hear that a lot of what I was using are samples. Um, these are, are typically audio that goes gets plugged into a synthesizer, you know, for certain genres of music or to come up with a sound, a, a, a customized sound. And I was using those. And over the months, I found and exhausted other areas of that type of music. And where we are sort of towards the end of this season, the last few episodes, I've been using full songs that don't ha- that are have the free use agreement through YouTube. So for those folks that are interested in doing this stuff, um, YouTube actually has a an audio library that they provide for folks mostly for their video obviously but also for for this kind of stuff you and i had talked early on that our stories had almost chapter like pieces to them and so Picking audio really comes after picking those spots in a story where there's an obvious break in tone or subject matter or that kind of stuff. So once that those are identified either by you or me or both sometimes, then it's just trying to figure out sort of what's happening at the time in the story. A lot of times it's a scary something, it could be a sad something. Hopefully, by the end of the stories, there's uplifting things that are happening in the story. And so trying to find music and match with the tone of the story is really what what I try to do. Mm -hmm. You know, the MDMA and the Inner Healer, I loved the music in that. It was perfect. Thank you. How how much time did that take? How many hours to hear it? As you said, sort of chapter fight, find the moments, find the music, do do all that. It's a it's a little bit hard to to say for sure because again the way I'm kind of piecemealing this together is that there's the hunting process which takes a while. If we were subscribing to a service, maybe and maybe we'll do that next year. Yeah, um, it might take less time because there'd just be a, a pile of music to pick from. But I think I figured out recently that I spend about an an hour about four hours of my time for every one hour of completed story. Mm. Now that includes editing going through, which maybe we'll talk about here later. So that's not just the music stuff. And part of that was a learning curve and that, that amount has gone down. And again, it, it depends like on that MDMA episode, there was a lot of opportunities to put, to treat the story and so, of course, it took more time. So if you're doing, on our longer episodes, if you're doing four hours music sound, I think I'm doing probably six to eight of, on my end of planning and recording and editing. So, yeah, we're looking at... Maybe, a ten to one? Yeah, ten to one. <laughs> I remember when I was first thinking about this podcast, I talked to a podcaster friend. He said, hey, if, if you did an interview-style podcast, that's easy. 
He said, if you did a storytelling podcast with music, he said that would be way cooler, but that would take a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, I'm lucky that I have, you know, I mean, this is, I don't golf. Uh, I don't own a boat, you know, so this is definitely a place that I like to spend time mm-hmm. and make time for. So, but it, yeah, there's, I remember this, I don't know if you remember Chris, but when I first met you dinner party over here, I asked, what are you into? And you nodded and you said, I'm into music. Yeah. And I said, what else? He said, I'm really into music. <laughs> yeah. I like to listen to music. I like to try to play music. I like the, uh, the toys and the technology that, that goes into recording and sound and uh, all of it. So mm-hmm. it's an easy place for me to spend time. Yeah, great. What would you say, I'm so curious about this because we haven't talked about any of these. Um, what What were your favorite or most memorable moments of the first year? Finishing our first episode. I mean, going from an idea over dinner and a glass of wine is has happened. I've had many ideas <laughs> <laughs> over dinner and glasses of wine that have not been completed. Yeah, yeah. So... To have an idea, to work with you, to, you know, we sat down and I don't think we, either of us knew exactly what we were doing. No, no idea. (laughs) I I know, I know that that's the case, right? Um, And then, you know, recording it and listening to our first story, Elizabeth's story. I'd never been in a room with someone who, who was telling a story like that. Adding music figuring out where to put it once we were done, post it, get people to listen to it. It was very rewarding. Yeah, I agree. Have you had a favorite episode? I mean, this is kind of alluding to this. We talked about it. I just asked you about a favorite moment or, but any of the episodes stand out as, <clears throat> as a favorite to you? The Aaron episode that we just recently posted mm-hmm. two or three ago mm-hmm. at OCD. this point, yeah. the OCD. And one of the reasons that was one of my favorites was from the treatment standpoint it while it was a serious topic and there were you know heartbreaking moments of her story it was also for some reason it allowed me to use music that i hadn't felt comfortable using before so it it gave a a lighter a more you know maybe whimsical even treatment mm-hmm. that i think I wasn't, I wasn't simply echoing the storyteller at that point. I was kind of interpreting the story a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That spaghetti Western clip, that, that music, that was perfect. <laughs> and I, I love, you know, I didn't mean, like, I think I told you this after the fact is once I put that in, the very next thing that she says is she's talking about cooking spaghetti, <laughs> which wasn't planned, but it was a fun coincidence. Yeah. And, and then the other one was probably the MDMA episode because mm-hmm. um, the story was, it was wide and it had a lot of elements. So the, the kinds of treatments changed throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the story itself was just, you know, it was just amazing. Yeah. The music that you put in there as he was going back on that boat and was 
uh, reliving or kind of going back in the experience with MDMA and his wife was there and, and they were plotting their escape. The music that you, that underlies that, that part of it is just. Thanks. I, I, you know, it's funny. It's, there are definitely have been times throughout the year where I'll put something in and think, "Mm, that is perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not all the time (laughs) at all, but it's nice. It's fun because I think it does add, you know, it just, it goes along with, again, the kinds of podcasts that I appreciate and like to listen to. So, Best part and the worst part of working with me. Huh. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to. Says know. the guy who holds the budget. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I think that it's it's funny. I would say probably that the qualities are both the best and the worst. And I think it is has as much to do with my personality and how it works in conjunction with yours. I would say your optimism is. It's never ending. Delu- uh, delusional. <laughs> well, that would be that would be on the scale, right? Where it goes from best to worst, and, and I'm not saying because nor a lot most of the time it works out exactly as you think. It's just hard for someone like me who my wife would probably say is more of a pessimist. I like to say that I'm more of a realist. Mm-hmm. I guess that's just cover for maybe being <laughs> pessimist. But um, yeah, so that is a quality that's both great and somewhat um, grating <laughs> at times mm-hmm. um, for someone like me. And then dedication, I would also say, is the other quality, is that it, you know, on the plus side, it's, that's why we get these things done, is that you're so dedicated to what we're doing. And then on the opposite side of that, sometimes <laughs> you're unrelenting. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that that's that's sort of the yin and the yang of the of of um, qualities in general, right? Is that with the a right amount they're great, and with too much maybe not so much. Yeah, our strengths are our weaknesses. Yeah, that's the enneagram core lesson. Oh, yeah. well, oh. we're going to get to the enneagram. Okay. I want to talk about the enneagram. Um, Chris, what would you like to see in the coming year, coming season? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, this is your. This is. I would say that this has probably been your passion project, right? It's your profession. You deal with the people that we are, are representing and, and broadcasting stories. So I feel a little funny about even stepping into that realm. But since you've asked, I suppose, I, I, I wonder if there's any room for us to talk about some mental health issues that may not be as serious or as abysmal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in their nature. I've found that as I've gotten older, maybe my anxiety has increased. You know, as we sit here 10 feet apart and we were setting up, there were times where I thought, you're a little close right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think that that these kind of challenges affect people in ways that are just as important to them or just as scary to them that are not – you know, that don't make it to your desk, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think that's a great point. And I, I go back and forth on that because um, I listen to all sorts of podcasts and I love all sorts of mental health podcasts and grief podcasts and, and podcasts that don't necessarily involve bona fide mental illness. But I think part of my bias here is a, as a psychiatrist, as a physician, it's almost like if a surgeon were going to do a podcast, he or she would probably have some really intense cases on there. I mean, might do, hey, this is how you do a laparoscopic appendectomy. Let's, let's review that. Um, is that an easy one? I, not for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't even know if I would even know how to turn on a laparoscopic. <laughs> so part of me, yeah, as a physician is sort of drawn to the most intense, darkest depths of pain. But I, I think that's a really interesting idea. And one of the ideas with the mini episodes was to provide some information and lightness and not have this all be so heavy because even though these stories end in hope and healing, they're, they're hard. They're, they're hard. hard. They're, yeah. And I don't, um, yeah, I don't want this to be a depressing show. I want it to be ultimately be uplifting. year ah i've learned that um so my wife is a therapist you're a psychiatrist and my wife is a therapist my mom is a therapist the folks that we had dinner with when this idea came up one of them is a therapist so i've spent a lot of time around the profession and not had nearly as much appreciation for it as i have in the last year so I've learned that what you guys do is just extremely helpful. It blows me away that there could even be some stigma related to someone going to see a therapist because I just think that it offers such an outlet and and can really just, you know, improve everyone's lives so much that why wouldn't we go, you know, why wouldn't we treat our mental health like we treat our physical health? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what surprised you the most what surprised me the most um, I learned this early on is that you cannot tell by looking at someone that they are suffering at a level that you can hardly understand mm -hmm. I stopped sitting in on our interviews when you switched offices it was a you know kind of a timing October yeah timing issue but before that you and i were were um i was sitting in and working sound as you were interviewing everyone and i was just it would just blow me away that the people that were coming in you know if i went by them in the grocery store i wouldn't even think twice mm -hmm. i think that that <clears throat> gave me empathy that and patience with people to to just in general that you just don't know yeah. You right. don't you don't know what their lives have been like. Yeah. You don't know, you know, the hand they were dealt. Mm -hmm.
on a lighter note, what are your favorite podcasts? So Eileen, it's funny. We're going to get to that. I'm going to ask you the same question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you're a bit of a podcast junkie. Mm-hmm. I try. <laughs> I, tr- I try to keep up, but I find that I come back to the things that, that give me, I listen to podcasts for comfort, mm. um, much like I read or watch movies. Like I don't go places that make me feel uncomfortable for fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm not against doing that to learn something, but if I'm looking to um, relax. So anyway, I, I, like I mentioned this American life, I love stories about, um, again, I think it's that element of not knowing, like you hear people tell a story and you think, God, what a great, like, that is just amazing. Life's just amazing Mm -hmm. for that to have happened. So storytelling podcasts, the moth is a big one, less treated, more just stand up and riff. Mm -hmm. And then my music podcasts. So I like, there's a podcast called sound opinions out of Chicago WBEZ, which is also who does This American Life or did. And then a new one that I've been listening to called Strong Songs. Mm. The podcast that I like about music take music and probably tear it apart and look at it at a, a detail that most people don't really care about. But I love having to, I love listening to people who are experts in their field explain the way things are in a way that you didn't really, you've never really thought about. Why does that chorus work? Why did they, why did they use this instrumentation? Why did they um, choose these lyrics? So. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and as a music guy, and since you asked me, <laughs> and I reluctantly <clears throat> revealed my desert albums, my three desert island albums that have caught lots of shit, from them. <laughs> not, not much love. Um, what are yeah. yours? Well, Meatloaf is not on there. I'm just going to say that right now. No offense to Meatloaf. Um, I, you know, two of these are really quick right off the top of my head. I would say that Miles Davis kind of blue. And I will say the reason is that it's, it suits all moods for me and time. So I could put it on with people around or if I want to listen to it myself, you know. U2's album War is... Mm, one that I can listen to over and over and over. And then for my third one, I struggle with this question. Probably uh, Joni Mitchell album, uh, Ladies of the Canyon, would probably be, although it's fairly mellow. And then there's Pearl Jam 10, which is mm-hmm. the opposite. I just yeah. don't know, like, on it, like, if I was really stranded, if I would want to listen to Pearl Jam day after day after day at this age. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, I think I've exhausted my questions off at the top of my head for you. Okay, good. I Do have some. I have some questions yes, for you. Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Don't ask me any music stuff. No. Um, <laughs> that some of them are similar, I would say. Um, do you have a favorite episode? Mm. Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't say favorite, but I would say like you, the first episode, there's so much in that. Um, so Elizabeth, in that episode, as many listeners probably deduced, she 
has been my patient for many years. And um, it was a difficult dis- to decision, decision to, su- to obscure that. I went back and forth and I decided at the end to obscure that because I didn't want, I didn't want to be part of the story. I wanted it to be all her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- I don't know, for four or five years before we put out that episode with her, she would say to me, I want to tell my story. I want to sh- share what I've learned. Should I write a book? Like, how do I, how do I tell people the hope that, that I've gained? And, and when you and I talked a year ago at dinner party and started coming up with this idea, Elizabeth came to mind. I thought, yeah, she's episode one. Mm-hmm. She has to, because t- that story is just so, um, so powerful. And I also think so much went into that, not just like you and I putting our heads together and, and helping Elizabeth tell that story, but um, we we shared it with what six people the first episode we did a lot of work on it and then oh, we sent right. it to six reviewers mm-hmm. um, all over the country and we asked them to just let us have it and most people they made some small comments and um, but my dear friend Antonio Sacri in Los Angeles who is a professional storyteller there he called me I remember I was walking in Boulder and he's like oh I love your podcast da, 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 da. I said do you think so he said yeah yeah he said just a couple things, but it'd be great right now. You could publish it right now, but a couple things. Do you want to hear them? I said, yeah. He said, okay. And then maybe an hour and 45 minutes later, <laughs> I'm still walking around Boulder, <laughs> frantically taking notes. Right. And he gave the best, um, the best help. And again, professional storyteller, that makes sense. But I just loved how honest he was with me and he's such a dear friend and he could, he, he could not just tell me what I wanted to hear. And one of the th- things that was most helpful that he said was, when you think the episode's done, go back and cut more. Ah. And when, he's, when it's done, cut more. And when you absolutely can't cut anything else, go back and cut more. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's so hard. It's so hard. I will say that that's one area that I've seen you grow probably the most over this process is you are understandably reluctant to not give our guests everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything that they said was, but I, I, I do think that there's benefit and an art to editing. Yeah. And then as I found out through the grapevine in episode two, Ellie's story of her eating disorder, I cut what she thought was the most important part of that because it didn't flow with the story. Mm. And I called her before and asked if it was okay. And she said, yeah. And then later I found out through her therapist that it, it was actually heartbreaking for her. And uh, that just about broke my heart that, you know, and I said to her, you know, just, we were trying to keep the story. It just didn't flow with the story. And I was thinking what my friend Antonio said, you know, if it doesn't fit the story, it's got to go. And, uh, but that was a, it's hard to, I I mean, so that was our second episode. Mm -hmm. I, I think that you were obviously still learning still are learning, but mm-hmm. we're even more so then, but what, what's important to a listener and what's important to the teller it's that takes even, I mean, that's a hard as an editor, that is a hard, hard thing to figure out, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're all storytellers, right? Mm-hmm. And I've definitely had times in my life where I've been telling a story and somebody didn't pick up on what I thought was the most important part Yeah, through no fault of their own. So I, that's, yeah. a, I did not know that. Yeah. And when you sent that, the, speaking of episode one, when you sent me after we'd had all the people go through it and Antonio gave me all 
the ideas and we cut, 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 and finally got it to an hour and 14. And we had a number of reviewers say it has to be under an hour. Right. That podcasts over an hour, unless you're Joe Rogan, no good. And it was an hour and 14. And I remember saying to you, I can't cut anything else. This has to go. And then you added the music and you sent it back to me. I I remember I I was sitting in my room and I was just crying listening to it. Just the music. And it was so, it was just so much work went into that. It wasn't perfect. And we, you know, we, but we finished it. And Elizabeth told her story and I still get so teary when I hear that. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Well, that sort of, I guess, leads into my next question here, which is what's been the most challenging part of doing this show? And what's been the most rewarding part of doing the show? Mm. Yeah, I think the most challenging is, I feel like at the end of each recording, we have this, it's like we've been panning for gold and we've just been panning and panning and panning and person leaves and we have this huge pile of sediment and gold nuggets and gold flakes and maybe some silver in there. And now to try to figure out how to get the best part out of it and yet, but still maintaining the essence of it. It's that editing again. Yeah. 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 I, I thought the, I thought the content editing would be a dreadful task, but I actually love it to sit and listen to the, the raw recording and then figure out what has to go and then listening over and over and over like what stays, what goes. And I just, I want to interrupt here because I have to let people know how you do this because it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, It's probably, there's going to probably be some professional audio engineer that's going to be shaking their head thinking, (laughs) why do they do it this way? But I post up an original recording for you Mm -hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, but you go through and listen to it probably on your device, Mm -hmm. your phone. Yeah. Sometimes my laptop or phone, phone or laptop, but you're jotting down places where you want cut start time and an end time. And the amazing part about that is that you're able to do that. Imagining the cut before it's gone. And Mm -hmm. they, they almost always work out. I mean, it, it really is impressive. I mean, that, that to just, I hope people think about that because it takes, you have to be able to hear, and sometimes it's two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. And so you're listening for that point where, it, that it, you know, it picks up logically and yeah. it flows right. It's right. pretty impressive. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really cool process to just listen, listen. I usually close my eyes as I'm doing it. I'm just listening for just the, the core of the story. Thinking what Antonio said, like what is what it has to be told. Yeah. And then as soon as I get to anything that doesn't seem core, I cut, stop in my mind. And I'm thinking and I'm watching the numbers roll by and then, okay, restart. Yeah. 401. Yeah. Stop at 503. Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, I really enjoy that. It takes um, a lot of patience. I mean, you know, that is a, 
I've, cause I've thought about, could I do that? And I don't know that I would, that I could do it. I don't know if I could do it that way. I could mm. probably use some software and cut things out and see, <laughs> see how it sounds, but to do it all in my head, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, so rewarding is that, Oh, that's a slam dunk. So when people, when, we, when we're first planning to, you know, how we're going to do this and how the story might go, I tell people, number one, we'll cut anything you want cut. Mm-hmm. And because um, I think that's really important for people to be able to speak from the heart and speak openly and honestly. We send them a final draft that they can allow anything to be cut they want. And, that, and almost never does anyone want anything cut. Like people want two words cut or they want, I mean, right. So that, I, yeah, I agree. I thought that there would be a lot more. It's kind of hard to, to listen to yourself. I'm kind of dreading listening to this <laughs> <laughs> afterward, you know? And so for people to be happy with what they've yeah. laid down, that's great. Yeah. But, but getting to the most rewarding thing is the, um, phone call with people after they hear the story. Mm. So I call people, after they've heard the final draft and after it publishes and it's just, it's so beautiful. Every, everyone to a person who's told their story is so grateful. And they, they say, I've said my thing and I've spoken from my heart and this is my truth. And I'm so happy this is going out in the world and thank you for this chance. And that is just the best mm-hmm. because I tell people, if you don't love the story, if 10 million people love it and you hate it, it's a complete fail. Right. If, if you love it, then it's a it's a true beautiful meaningful story and it will touch others yeah that's been your i mean that's been your thing from the beginning Mm -hmm. and that's where uh that's where that dedication comes in Yeah. yeah yeah great Was there a, a point in this first season that you would say was more emotionally difficult for you? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of these stories, they're packed full of emotion. Yeah. Well, in the first episode with Elizabeth, as I mentioned, you know, she has been my patient and still is. Um, but when, so I was talking about myself in the third person, which was a little weird, but when I asked her, how did, or did your suicide attempt, your near fatal attempt affect your relationship with your psychiatrist? Mm-hmm. She kind of gasped and started to cry. And I just, tears are pouring down my face. And I just, and she looked at me and, and that's a beautiful part of that episode. You should go back and hear that. If, for those of you who haven't heard that again, um, to talk about myself in third person, because here's the truth. Here's the backstory is, Right before she had that near fatal suicide attempt, her husband called me and asked me to hospitalize her, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I thought she'd be okay. And I remember getting that call from the hospital that she was in the ICU. I remember exactly where I was standing on my back porch, and I just sobbed, sobbed. And I just said, Please let her live. Please let her live. And so all that's rushing through my mind as she's talking about me in the third person. And, and then when she said that we have such a genuine relationship and that that's been 
what allowed her to make some of the really difficult treatment decisions that she's made, including going on clozapine. Mm-hmm. I was just, tears are pouring down my face. And that, I mean, it was a beautiful moment. It was so hard. And, you know, she almost died. And I, yeah, her husband asked me to hospitalize her and I didn't before. I just, I'm so grateful that she lived. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Maybe on a little lighter note, how about some of your favorite podcasts? Oh, so many. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> okay. How about, let's see, I'll group these into the sort of the, the big ones and the more smaller indies. Um, so the, the big podcasts, let's say, love Sam Harris, love Peter Atia, The Drive, and Dax Shepard, Armchair Expert. Those three. Oh, I've heard that yeah, that is a great Dax one. Dax is so yeah. good. Yeah. So the yeah, Peter Atia is just about the most intelligent man on the planet, except for maybe Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. Those two. Um, my new favorite indie small podcast like ours. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they do it in the garage like we do. Yeah, right. Super indie <laughs> in flip flops as we are. Yeah. Um, it's called Your Mental Breakdown, and it uh, it's only been around a few months. It's a, it's a great idea. It's a podcast where they're following a patient client through his therapy Mm. so much like the hbo series in treatment each week they um you could you get to hear the therapy session and the male and female therapists doug and meredith they sort of do a pre-game and then doug does a therapy session then post-game and they talk about how it went what they learned what they might have done differently Mm. and um yeah, it's really it's really well done, and uh, the music's great, and yeah, so that, that's my new. How'd you find out about that one? Um, I'm just obsessively looking for new podcasts, and especially mental health podcasts, and uh, I just stumbled across it. Um, Were you listening to mental health podcasts before we started Back from the Abyss? Good question. No, <laughs> I wasn't. No. No, I was listening to Sam Harris, a little bit of Joe Rogan, a little bit of Tim Ferriss. Um, terrible thanks for asking. Really like, really, really like that podcast. But no, no, that came because I could think when we started this, I thought, okay, I need to know the landscape. You know, right. like if you're going to have a pizza restaurant, you should yeah. better eat a lot of pizza and go to a lot of pizza places. Right. So I wanted to hear. So I feel like I've sampled a huge percentage of what's out there, at least checked it out. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned it earlier this Enneagram type. Mm, So first of all, you probably should tell everyone what that is for those that don't know. And then do you know your type? I'm guessing you do. Of course I do. (laughs) And maybe tell us how you think that plays out in, in the whole podcast production. Yeah. So the Enneagram is a personality inventory, but infinitely, in my opinion, more interesting and meaningful than some of the other ones like Myers-Briggs or, um, Enneagram is all about your strengths or your weaknesses, um, your core personalities based on kind of core fears and core needs. And Enneagram, I'm type seven. 
I'm the enthusiast. I'm all in. Big surprise. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> for better or worse. Right. And uh, surely, Chris, you are innate. I don't know if you've ever sat down and do it, but what I love about you and what's frustrating about you is you are a challenger. And <laughs> you sometimes just want to fight just for the fight, just, just to sort of mix it up and see. I'm not going to lie. That's not the first time I've been told that. Yeah. But you're just what I needed because I think you and I joked early on that if I did this podcast alone, I would have already put out like 120 episodes and they would suck. They would be really I, doubt, I doubt that. <laughs> okay. I would have put out 55, but I, you've been a really good balance in terms of questioning me and challenging me and asking me to sort of slow down and think and analyze and, and just be thoughtful about this. And plus I think being a challenger, you like that. You like yeah. to mix it up a little bit. And I'm married to a challenger, so I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. We have some things in common. Yeah, anything else we want to check in about? That's a lot of um, stuff. Yeah, there, I had one last question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've you've alluded to this on a couple of the episodes. I think it's a challenge for podcasters, anybody who's doing sort of media work, I suppose, is trying to really understand who your audience... You know, we, we set out with an audience in mind. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes these projects, they gain audiences that you may or may not have expected. We're trying to figure out, you know, who our listeners are and why they, why they're listening. But is there anything that you would, you know, want to know from our listeners? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. I assumed at the beginning that this would be most interesting to people who are either struggling with some significant mental illness and or their family members. And I think there are a lot of those folks who like it, but I get the most, we get the most feedback and emails um, and kudos from other therapists. And so I would love to know what percentage of our listeners are therapists. If we were probably more organized social media wise or <laughs> why don't we continue? Yeah, I know listeners. I am very serious. I'm, I'm look, I'll let you know. I'm, I'm thinking about putting some kind of uh, listener survey on the website so we can learn more about you. So I'll let you know when that's coming. But yeah, I'm really curious because that matters because I think uh, the more therapists listen, the more, you know, tend towards having kind of an educational flair versus, you know, more than this American life, like just this, let the story be the thing. So we've sort of gone back and forth on that. Well, I guess I've said this many times before, but I want to thank you so much, Chris, because uh, this has been such a cool first year to do with you and our friendships really deepened and, um, yeah, I could not have done this without you. No way, no how. It would have been a greatly diminished project without you. Well, um, gosh. Thanks, Craig. It, it does mean a lot um, that you say that. And I, um, it's been incredibly rewarding for, for a number of reasons. So I'm, I'm glad that you trusted me to be your, uh, your helper on this project. Yeah, you're my man. Um, so, yes, great things coming up in season two. So 
will be starting season two this summer and I'm recording some really cool stuff here in the coming weeks and I was going to tell you about it but I think you're just going to have to listen I may give some teasers here in the next few weeks just short little things on our feed so I hope all of you have found this an interesting look into the fishbowl and again if you like Back from the Abyss best thing you can do for us send these episodes to people that you know pass on the word rate us on iTunes and we'll see you very soon for season two good stuff coming all right if you like this episode please share it with anyone else who might find hope or meaning in this story check out our website bftapodcast.com where you can learn more about us and this project get more information on the treatments mentioned in the stories as well as additional resources and music credits You can also email us with comments or story requests. If you have time, please rate us on iTunes as this helps us spread these stories far and wide. Much gratitude to my good friend Chris Johnson who does our sound. And thank you for listening to Back from the Abyss. May each of you find the strength and support to find your way through the darkness.